With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Sunshine Boys Sports Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. We have with us today Ira Kaufman. Joe Henderson and up in Boston, Massachusetts, Tim Williams. Guys, it's been a crazy week as uh, we get closer and closer to the National Football League season. Um, plenty of things to talk about. Ira, you wrote a column. Let's get let's get Tariko off as the first thing on the list. You wrote an interesting column about um, how Mike Tariko left. ESPN to become uh, one of the key people at NBC, but not so fast on the NFL side of the things. Why don't you fill us in on your on your interesting column, which can be read at sportstalkflorida.com. You know, Jim, when when uh, Thursday Night Football uh, was awarded uh, CBS and NBC, they're each going to get five games this fall and next fall. Uh, when that was announced in February, there was a little codicil in the agreement, guys, that said uh, CBS and NBC uh, have to use their number one announcing team on those Thursday night telecasts. Both networks signed off on that contract, as well as forking over a combined $450 million per year to the National Football League. Well, here comes Tarico. Jumps from uh, ESPN to NBC. Everybody assumes Tariko is going to be the man on, on NBC's Thursday night telecast. And the NFL says, in the words of Joe Henderson, not so fast. And NBC rolls over. It's in the contract. They really can't argue about it. And here comes Tariko, who will not do football this fall. And he's kind of waiting for Al Michaels to retire. Joe, who knows when that's going to be? Michaels is 71. As far as I know, Michaels wants to keep going. So, Tariko will stew on the sidelines, gentlemen. But as I say in the column, he's making buco dollars. So, let's not feel too sorry for Mike Tariko. No, as well, much as we like Mike, it's, it's, I don't think that uh, we're going to have to hold any spaghetti dinners to raise money for him anytime soon. <laughs> well, this, this is so stupid by the NFL. I mean, it. Mike Tirico is a terrific broadcaster and just be, <laughs> now the NFL throws him under the bus, insults him, uh, makes one of their network partners look bad uh, in the process and uh, just so arrogant and stupid by the National Football League. Oh, wait, I'm shocked. Arrogance and stupid. Good grief. And, and, Jim, it shows the power of the NFL once again, Jim. It does, but it also, in a way, is 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 back – could backfire, and that is that Mike Tirico was the only lead play-by-play man for a network when he was at ESPN who was in person of color. And to take Mike, who – you know, was the Monday night football voice and say, well, I'm sorry, I'm going to hold your feet to fire. You got to give me, you know, you got to give me Al Michaels and, and you got to give me Chris Collingsworth. Uh, I think would have been, uh, you know, is, is being not only being petty, it's being insensitive to the, uh, you know, the talent that is Mike Tirico. And then you have to look at it from this way too. And that is, I don't think Al is that crazy about doing two football games in the course of a week. Good point, I think they, I think they wanted it so that, you know, Chris would do the two games, which Chris has done in the past. You remember Chris was part of a Thursday night package early on 
and uh, and un- also ended up doing, of course, the Sunday night games. So that didn't bother Chris, but it was an issue with uh, you know NBC. The whole concept of putting Tariko on Thursday night meant that they didn't have to travel Michaels uh, all over the country in what, in essence, would be a four-day work week for Al. And uh, I think that was something that uh, was the the real reason why did NBC do it. They did it because they wanted to keep Al from having to, uh, you know, travel as much as, um, you know, as it would uh, take to require to get the to get the contract deal done. Well, uh, and and here's here's another thought, Jim and and Ira and everybody. Uh, it's NBC is paying the NFL $450 million to air these Thursday night games over the next two years. Only five uh, games, Joe. Five games each year. Five. Yeah, five. five games each year. $45 million a game, a total of $900 million over the life of a two-year deal uh, between uh, CBS and NBC. That's right. So here you go. It's like we'll take your money and then we'll tell you how uh, you know how to do your job and uh, what if al michael says no i don't want to do it i'm not going to do it it's too much uh like jim pointed out that's that's a pretty heavy workload for a guy that is now in his 70s and and he's still a terrific announcer not saying that but and and i think maybe he lives in hawaii joe i think he lives in hawaii yeah you know he has a home in hawaii but he lives in uh in uh los angeles Okay. Well, it's just, uh, and and Jim makes a great point about uh, Tariko being a person of color. You, you, diversity is one of the key elements for for broadcast for all of journalism today. You, you're going out of your way to to make sure that you know people are represented, and then the NFL does something like this, and you're just going, "What were you thinking?" The, and the answer is they're not. They all they know is money and power, and they ought to be ashamed of themselves. It's an awful decision. Awful. Doesn't bode well for the broadcasts either. It, Mike Tirico had a great rapport with John Gruden when they did Monday Night Football, and it really helped Gruden become a broadcaster in his transition from being a coach. He worked so well with Mike Tirico. Now he's with Sean McDonough. Right. who is a longtime sports reporter and well-liked around here, certainly because he's from this area. So I'm sure he'll be fine, but that might be a transition where suddenly Gruden doesn't come off the cuff as much as he used to or isn't as much fun to listen to as an announcer as he used to be. And then you have people doing two games a week, which – I remember those Thursday night games that they sent the CBS guys out for last year. They sounded exhausted by the end of the week, and one of the two games they would do each week would sound like a B game because they were doing so much research. There's a lot of work involved in calling these games, and here they have to do two a week, so either they're gearing up for the Thursday night game and they only have three days to do research for Sunday, or they hardly do Thursday night's games research at all. Absolutely. Jim, you brought up a good point that goes to what I was talking about, the workload. The workload for doing a game, and and people don't realize this, and, you know, having done the games, I can give you a a snapshot. If you're doing a Sunday game, you normally get to town on Thursday. You get out to practice. You watch the practices. You have the opportunity to talk to the coaching staff and some of the players. That usually happens on Friday. On Saturday, the opposing team gets into town. So you then go to their hotel and you do the same thing where you talk to the coaches, you talk to the players about the game. And then on Sunday, you're set to go. So you've got that Thursday afternoon to Thursday evening where you come into town. You really spend all day on Friday working and checking things out. And then your work weekends with the game on Sunday. If you add to that two games, well, that means that the moment the the game on Sunday for the NBC crew is over, they're beginning research for sat for for the Thursday game 
on Monday. You're absolutely it's right, almost Jim. a seven-day week. You know, it's almost a seven-day work week. And, and look, I, we're not going to – I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this is heavy lifting, okay? It's not like, you know, we're, it's construction work. But it does, as Tim put it, you tend to get teams confused. You tend to get little things done, even though you've seen it a hundred times. By the time, you know, the game on, it, it, and the irony is the game that is the most watched game, which is the Sunday night game, is the one that probably will suffer because of, you know, all of the amount of, of research and work that has to go into developing this, um, you know, this element of, of Thursday night. That's right. And, and if you do the Thursday night game, Joe, that means that you're getting in on Friday, which is a walkthrough, Joe. So you're not watching any practice from the team. Um, and, you know, fans want to know, well, what do you get out of these interviews with the coaches? Well, I think you get quite a bit because they trust these announcers. They're going to, you know, keep their anonymity as coaches. Uh, but they're going to use the information about some players, sometimes even, uh, you know, not the star players who everybody knows about, but some guy that's ascending, uh, and, and the guy makes a great point on the broadcast, and, and you wonder, oh, how, how did he know that? Well, he knows it because they've built up a trust factor with these coaching staffs. You know, Ira, to your point, um, and here on the Sunshine Boys Sports Podcast with Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson and Tim Williams. Uh, I'm Jim Williams, your host. And um, I will tell you, being in those meetings, one of the things that they will do, some coaches, if they really trust the broadcasters, and this has happened on a couple of occasions in meetings that I've been in, coaches will give you and say, look, I don't know when I'm going to use this play, but there's two or three plays that I'm pondering using on, you know, on Sunday. Keep a lookout for, and then they would give you the the plays that you know to look out for. And uh, and again, it's the trust factors. It's, you're not going to bring it up, but you then have the ability. I ha- had it as a director; they had it as announcers. That when we saw a specific formation, we went, "Okay, there it is." And so we knew right then and there what was going to happen, at least from the execution standpoint, they were going to execute this play, whether it was successful or not, you know, nobody knows until it actually occurs, but you, they were giving you these insights and these are the little insights, or if somebody's banged up, but they don't want to tell anybody about it, they may say to you, you know, man, I'll tell you, I hope I get, you know, 10 or 15 carries out of this guy because he's been banged up and I just don't know what the heck's going to happen. And that's all well, there, the little things that you get by spending the time with the coaches. Well, there, there's another factor, too, which nobody's talked about yet, is Thursday night football, the players and the coaches hate it. They hate the quick turnaround. The, they, they, there is, the Players Association has, has made its feelings about this clear. So now you've got the players mad and – You've got the broadcast team possibly mad. So in, the NFL is just making friends all over the place with this thing. And sometimes you got to have a little common sense, and I just don't think they had it here. This isn't like they're putting, I don't know, Ira Kaufman on the broadcast team, right, Ira? Thanks, Joey. Uh, <laughs> hey, Tim, uh, you know, Tim, does anybody uh, in, in, in this league know the power of the NFL uh, at this point, more more than uh, the New England Patriots and uh, and Bob Kraft in terms of uh, you know the NFL wants what it wants, Tim, and uh, they stipulate and and the networks and and everybody else has to uh, follow in line. Absolutely, and I'm sure the NFL wishes they could take all sorts of credentials away from people up here that have been on the radio or on in the papers just slamming Goodell on almost a daily basis for the way he's handled the recent incidents with the New England Patriots. It's it's amazing how Goodell operates. It's like he doesn't he's anti public relations. No matter how much people hate him, 
he just seems to want to turn up the volume on whatever he's doing. And so what if they yell at him? So what if people don't like him? He's just going to do what he thinks is best for business. My question is, I, I tend to agree with Joe. I, I don't see how Thursday night games are good for business. They don't make for great football games. I can't think of a Thursday night game that was well played and really meant something in terms of who made the playoffs or who missed the playoffs. Usually the road team looks dazed and the home team just dominates and both teams look like they're just trying not to get hurt out there. More prone to injury, Jim. More prone. No, you're right. You're right. You're listening to the the uh, Sunshine Boys podcast. Uh, I'm Jim Williams. That was Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson, Tim Williams. Guys, let's uh, let's take it to the next level, okay? And that is part of this deal, this Thursday night deal. Now is uh, co-opting in the elements of social media and will be streamed via Twitter. What are your thoughts about watching a actual football game on Twitter? Well, it's not why I bought a high-def TV, I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, uh, I I have to admit something um, when it comes to Twitter is like a lot of uh, Americans of a certain age, I was not all that impressed with Twitter when it came out. I didn't really see the, the use of it. And now pretty much every major story, uh, or for that matter, a lot of them not so major, uh, the news breaks on Twitter now. It, it's right. where you go to find stuff out. So I guess it follows logically that that there would be this streaming on, on Twitter, but you know, as someone who likes to use my phone for actually, you know, talking to people and not watching movies and sporting events on it, uh, I doubt it will affect my life much. No, Jim, I think the NFL is looking at, uh, at a perceived revenue stream, James. And, and to mm-hmm. me, it, it sounds more like a tinkle than, than a revenue stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let me say this, and Joe, you're going to love this one. Uh, oh, okay. Just a few minutes before this podcast, I was on Twitter. I'm, I'm not a, you know, ashamed to admit it, Tim. I was on Twitter, and I'm not making this up. There are people right now, as we speak, that are tweeting out play-by-play of the scrimmage between the Browns and the Buccaneers at one buck place, a scrimmage. Not even an exhibition game, like Joe used to say, instead of preseason. (laughs) This is a scrimmage. And you will see Winston, nice pass to Cameron Brake. Brown's defense looks shabby. Uh, Gentlemen, where are we going with this thing? Well, it's it's a lot of people with, you know, look, I, I spend way too much time on Twitter. I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, not gonna lie to you. I, there, I can become addicted to it. But as far as as play by play during games and play by play during scrimmages and and all of this, uh, I, I, it's it, it's the look. We have the ability to put out information, and all of us know that because all of us are involved in every aspect of the social media element as well as. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast, which you should be listening to on a on a weekly basis, because it's good. Um, but every element we're we're involved in, and um, I just think that the social uh, media aspect of Twitter, specifically to your point, Ira, is that people are so into sports, be it football or others, that even something as simple and trivial as a scrimmage, you know, in an early morning in August is of interest to enough people. And again, this is the narrow cast of Twitter that you, you don't need a million people to worry about it. 
you need 13 or 14,000 who are engaged in it, then you know, because I, I get Twitter analytics on a daily basis. It, it scares me to know as much as I know about the people who follow me. Uh, <laughs> it, it scares me sometimes of the people who do follow me. But to that point, uh, I think what not only what the NFL is doing from a money standpoint, Ira, to your point a little earlier about the revenue stream, is also the fact that they can mine data from this and they can know, they not only know who, you know, who is watching, they know the age of the person who's watching and in some regards, almost the zip code that they live in. This is, this, this so overtakes what you know from a Nielsen rating book and takes it to the point where I know that Ira is listening to me in the Clearwater, Florida area. Joe is, is watching my broadcast somewhere in, you know, the greater mean streets of Brandon and up in Quincy, Massachusetts, Tim is watching me, you know, somewhere in that general area. So it becomes so amazingly graphic in knowing your audience to the point where you physically know where these people live, zip codes, and otherwise you can geo-target to that. Tim, how much of this compulsion uh, on this minutia do you think is driven by fantasy football, Tim? I, I would say a lot of it, especially in terms of when you read people covering the Bucks scrimmage on Twitter, they're not really talking about how the teams are looking as a whole so much as they're talking about individual players. And it's kind of shocked me in the last, I guess it'd be 15 years, that football's turned into such an individual player-driven sport because of fantasy. It drives me nuts when I don't have my phone in my pocket and I see the scroll going by on a Sunday afternoon because it's going to take five minutes to get to the next score because they have to tell you what every individual player is doing so people can keep track of their fantasy teams. Right. They watch it in um, preseason to make sure no one gets hurt. It's it's really become about what, rather than what your t favorite team's doing, it's what players on your fantasy team are doing. Hey, uh, Ira. Yes. Aguayo just missed another uh, field goal in the scrimmage. <laughs> I just thought you'd like to know. And uh, uh, Jason Wright just uh, just took another <laughs> swig of his soda. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I will say this uh, in defense of Twitter. One of the one of the fun things to do is to while you're watching the game on TV. Joe, you there? Ira? Must, yeah, Joe dropped out for a second. Joe dropped out for a minute. Let's, uh, I'll tell you what. Let's take a break okay. on this, the Sunshine Boys podcast, as we momentarily lost Joseph Henderson in, mid, uh, in midstream. And uh, we'll pick it back up in just a moment. If you are listening to the Sunshine Boys sports podcast, on Sports Talk Florida and on Blog Talk Radio with Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson, and Tim Williams. And we will be back right after this. Welcome back to the politically, not the politically incorrect, sorry about that, another podcast another day, um, to the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. Joining me, Ira Kaufman and Tim Williams, and soon we'll have Joe Henderson back. But for the moment, guys, we don't have him back. Uh, Jim, let's, uh, uh, Jim, should I feel guilty, Jim, that I don't have a fantasy team? Am, am, I, am I missing out on something, uh, Mr. Williams? You know what, Ira? I, I did that, the, the kind that allows you to pick your, you know, you don't pick your teams, you, they pick them for you. And uh, and then you go ahead and you you mess around with it. And I found myself so I figured that wasn't going to take a lot of time. And then I realized about halfway through the season that I was spending more time worrying about 
my fantasy football team than I was in some cases things I actually physically had to do. So that was, uh, you know, that was pretty wild in that regard. So no, I don't think by not having a fantasy football team that that you're going to miss out in life uh, in any way, shape or form. And speaking of missing out on life, we we're not going to miss out on the insights of Joe Henderson, who has just returned. So Joe, prior to the break, you were in mid sentence talking about, some of the fun things that we were chatting about with Twitter. Go ahead and, and finish that thought. Yeah, Bar- well, the, Baron, was, uh, the Baron of Brandon is, is back on the air, people. Yes, I am. Uh, the the tin can is back uh, in order now with the string on it, so it'll it'll okay. be it'll be fine. Um, no, just Twitter's great from a social aspect. You know, trading uh, jokes with the fans during blowout games, like uh, the one the Bucks had a couple of years ago up in Atlanta. Remember that one, Ira? Yes, I do. And uh, that was one of the most fun nights I ever had on Twitter. And <laughs> it was. I mean, there's just no bones about it. We were, you know, we were, me and the, the 14 followers were trying to, uh, to one-up each other all night long, and it was, it was great. And then the Ravens, uh, uh, Joe, the Ravens came in, uh, I think, the same year and, and, and did it again. Remember that they one? They did it again. Uh, so Twitter does have its use. And, and, and like I said before, it is a great source for breaking news. Uh, you find out a lot of stuff on Twitter. So I like Twitter, but I'm just not sure I'm, I want to commit to Sunday football watching on Twitter. Uh, I got to be, got to have that proved to me that it works. Well, I think the other it's part, Joe. It's sized It's funny. It almost works perfectly for football in one way, that football plays can be summed up in 140 characters most of the time. Guayo missed a kick. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. yeah, it, Winston, 40-yard pass to Mike Evans, held on to, he's out of bounds. But that can fit in 140 characters. What it doesn't give you is any real commentary on the game that you can use. It just boils the game down to the most basic and boring facts if you follow play-by-play. There's really no room to add anything to it, context. It's context, Tim. Yeah, context. Yes. That's right. That's right. Some people have gotten very clever. There's a there's a there's something you can purchase for your computers called Snagit, and anybody who wants it can, as Rudy Giuliani likes to say, Google it and you'll find it. Um, so look up Snagit, and they they capture video from their computer, uh, which obviously you can use to watch your television and that whole routine and you can grab video clips and i've noticed in sports you see a lot on twitter of video clips of a great play or a great catch or you know or a missed field goal or something or maybe it's just a meme where it's a picture that has been taken by a fan from the from the stands or a snapshot taken off of uh television or whatever so you get you get that element, uh, which does give you kind of a an ongoing look at at least what some fans are enjoying during the course of a game. And the funny thing, you know, Joe, that your point uh, of being able to, it, it's kind of like a little club of people who can watch a game together, comment on it together, have fun with it together, and and not necessarily even be in the same zip code with you at the time. Absolutely. I, am, I, I agree I am, with you completely. Uh, so I'm very jealous of uh, Mr. Uh, James Williams and Henderson uh, because I think it would be a very tight race, like a Roman chariot, Ben-Hur race between the two of you in terms of technology. Henderson loves all these little new technology things, and James Williams, uh, who knew that this kid uh, would, would, would evolve into this uh, techno geek, uh, I'm very jealous of you two, and I don't know where... Uh, where Tim Williams stands in this, but you two gentlemen are very sharp. Oh, I have to bow to the uh, higher power on uh, Mr. Jim Williams on this. He's uh, he's the NFL, and I'm one double A compared to him. I, I doubt that, guys. I mean, I will I will do it in in the starkest of all terms. And for Tim, it's in 140 characters. Job security. Um, there you go. You learn things to keep you in a job and, and, you know, you evolve and it's, it's the old saying, if you don't evolve, you die. And I, um, 
I tend on hoping to live a great deal longer. But it, it is fun, you know, when Joe was talking about it, it is fun to engage with people on it and to see how creative others can be by using video or memes. But, you know, we're getting a little far afield from the football aspect of it. And uh, I think that uh, we're coming up not long away now from the third game of the season, which normally is when the starters play for any great length of time. And, uh, you know, as we look into preseason, guys, is there anything, and we'll start, Ira, I'll give you, um, give you the first shot on this. Anything that you've seen around the league that surprises you going into uh, the, you know, the final couple of games of the preseason and getting ready for that uh, September 11th uh, big Sunday kickoff? Well, uh, there's a lot of intrigue, guys, going on with the defending Super Bowl champs, and you don't normally see um, a quarterback battle uh, for a defending champion. Now, Denver, we all know, especially Patriot fans, that uh, the Broncos rely on, on an unrelenting defense. Just ask uh, Cam Newton and Tom Brady about that. But you still got to put points on the board, and while I have a decent ground game, guys. Um, the old adage is if you don't have a quarterback, uh, you can't win. Uh, so I'm a little bit intrigued about what's going on in Denver camp. Uh, and Jim, I have a question for uh, young uh, Tim Williams. Okay. Uh, because anybody, and Tim, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, but anybody who thinks the Patriots are necessarily going to go 1-3 uh, and three or 0-4 oh and four, uh, with a backup quarterback, I, I think those people are crazy. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, but uh, didn't Belichick win 11 games with Matt Castle? Yeah, the the Patriots should be fine in the four weeks they don't have Tom Brady. In fact, it'll be a good test for them because they really do like Jimmy Garoppolo. They drafted him, I believe, in 2015 or 2014. I really can't remember which. But they really invest a lot of him in him as the backup quarterback and the apparent eventual successor to Tom Brady should Tom Brady not somehow play until he's 45, which having seen how long Peyton Manning held on and how much healthier Tom Brady seemed last year suddenly doesn't seem such a joke, but... You know, they've got the Cardinals opening week. That's going to be a tough game. The Cardinals are a really good team, and they're at Arizona. And they have a target on their back because they're the Patriots. So that will be a tough game for them. But then they have the Dolphins, the Texans, and the Bills. That's the first four weeks. And then Tom Brady comes back at Cleveland. So it's hard for me to believe they're going to go 1-3 and three in those four weeks or 0-4. Oh Two and two would almost be a stretch looking at those opponents and the off seasons they've had. I know the Dolphins and the Texans both have some reason for optimism, but even up against a backup quarterback, it's still Bill Belichick. It's still presumably Rob Gronkowski is going to be healthy, and he's a big difference maker in the NFL. So I can't see them going one and three in those first four weeks at all. Joe, I got a question, um, got a question for Henderson. Uh, Joe, okay. um, you go back a long way. You, you don't go back to Otto Graham, but you go back a long way. Um, could I make the argument right now? Brady's the best of all time, Joseph. Well, you could definitely make it. Um, uh, what is, what's the old line? He might not be the best, but it doesn't take long to call the roll. Um, it, he certainly um, has the rings and the, and the success to back it up. I'm, I never want to get too caught up in the best this or the best that because football uh, is a team sport, and he has been blessed with an outstanding coach, outstanding organization, stability, which, you know, is a rare thing in the NFL. But, yeah, you could definitely um, – make a case for him being the best of all time. Absolutely. Jim, you're a little partial to Johnny U, aren't you, Jim? No, I really. I, I think that um, I think Brady 
you, you have to give him his due. He, he certainly, uh, he, he's won the rings. He's won the playoff games. He's, he's, he's a guy who produces when the money's on the table and you can't overlook people that do that. I think that if you look back in time, you know, who comes close, a guy who, you know, most people don't think of as a great quarterback, but you know, Terry Bradshaw has the same amount of rings. I think Terry is undervalued, frankly, uh, for what he did during the Steelers. You, uh, you know, it's not unlike what you're talking about, that the Steelers had a defense that was a, uh, you know, was, was an amazing defense. But uh, Bradshaw with his Franco Harris, Rocky Blyer, you know, running backs and, and his very talented cadre of, of wide receivers would put enough points on the board every week so that the Steelers, you know, would win and, and go to multiple Super Bowls. So I, I think that, you know, now I'm not saying that Terry's in the class of, of Brady from a standpoint of the greatest of all time, but he's certainly, you know, capable of winning. And I think that if you're looking at money on the table, people, Bradshaw's one of those guys. Uh, you know, they're... Hey, hey, Jimmy, who, who, said, uh, who said Bradshaw couldn't spell cat if you gave him the C and the T? That was Somebody... Thomas Hollywood Henderson said that. Go, no relation. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, um, it was brother from another mother, um, yeah. Thomas Henderson. Well, I have a question for Mr. Kaufman. Okay. 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 Yeah, go ahead. Uh, are the Cowboys going to disintegrate into the usual sideshow that they always do? And and the signs are already there, my friend. Des Bryant with a concussion. Ezekiel Elliott, they're talking maybe he shouldn't start. Uh, what's going on out there in, in Dallas, Mr. Hall of Fame voter? You know, guys, uh, this is my opinion on the Cowboys. First, number one, they've done diddly for 20 years. Really. Look at it. They've done very little for two decades. Yet, it is remarkable to me that the Cowboys' mystique, Jim, has yeah. not dropped one iota from the glory days, from the Jimmy Johnson Super Bowls, the Landry, the man with the hat, the cheerleaders, uh, there's something about the Cowboys that always put them uh, at the top in terms of uh, generating news in the National Football League. And, Joe, I point this out out to you. The senior committee just announced their two candidates for the Hall, and normally these guys get in, even though they need 80%. Uh, and Jerry Jones is one of the guys. Uh, along with Tagliabue. Um, Jim, I, I, I suggest to you, Jerry Jones hasn't done anything in 20 years. I will tell you, Ira, here's where I come off on Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is a walking, talking promotion machine for two things, the Dallas Cowboys and the National Football League. And there has never been a microphone that Jerry Jones has not liked to talk into. There's never been a time when, and I can only speak from a personal standpoint, that I've asked for a couple of minutes and he has not stopped and ended up giving me 10. Um, there's the old joke that we all know Dick Vitale. Dick used to say that uh, he could do 20 minutes every time he opened the refrigerator door. And I think that um, that the reason Jerry is there is that Jerry's been able to peddle the Cowboys' mystique and keep it up and going even after the relevance of the team on the field has been, you know, as you said, 20 years of futility. Um, but he's got a big building that they got in Arlington, Texas, that has a widescreen TV that's a little bigger than – the one that if we put all of our widescreen TVs together would work. Um, and and he has he has sold the Cowboys mystique and sold the National Football League shield probably better than any other owner, in large part because Jerry 
is just an outgoing, gregarious person that you either like or dislike, but most people tend to like him because he is someone not unlike to an extent, Ira, who you've spoken of in the past, and that's Al Davis in that he has a little bit of this, the Davis swagger with a little bit of the Pete Rosell promotion aspect to him. And I don't know, maybe that analogy doesn't work, but I, to me, that's kind of what I see when I see Jerry. And Tim, I have you know, a great Jerry Jones story well, had, along the lines of what Jim was saying. I was covering a playoff game in Dallas several years ago because it would have had to have been several years ago since the Cowboys were in the playoffs. Anyway, um, I'm covering a playoff game, and Jerry Jones is in the locker room afterwards. Name another owner, Ira, who comes to the locker room after the game. But he's down in the locker room, and he's give, doing a live TV interview. Now, as reporters will do, as we all know, we've all been there, you might sort of uh, poke your ear over toward the interview to see if you're missing anything, right? right so yeah. I do that, and I'm kind of standing in back of the uh, – and to the side of the TV reporter. I start to walk away. Jerry reaches out, touches my arm while he's on live TV, kind of gives me a notice, just gives me a little sign, wait just a second. He gets done with the live interview and turns to me and says, okay, how can I help you? <laughs> it's the doggone this thing I've ever seen. And and he, like like Jim said, you know, you're sitting there, you're expecting 30 seconds. I got five minutes. So the, the guy is a walking quote machine, and I think that that is the main reason we do pay attention to uh, the Cowboys, who really have not merited that attention for their play on the field. And, Tim, you know, Tim, I've been watching Kraft up in your neck of the woods carefully. Uh, now, look, anybody with all those rings, uh, by virtue uh, of that success, uh, has to be a little bit accessible. But, Tim, it seems to me, uh, while I am not going to put him in the category of Jerry Jones in terms of uh, always available, uh, it seems like Kraft, he, he doesn't turn down many microphones either, Tim. He doesn't. He likes NFL people. The Patriots have been very clever at dealing with being in a unique market where everyone's demanding something all the time. And that is they don't play in Boston. They play in Foxborough, which is kind of like having to go out to Tropicana Field to cover the Rays. It's a while. It's a bit of a drive, and there's a lot of traffic. So they get to be in their own sort of fortress where everyone has to approach it to them. And to speak to Bob Kraft, you have to go to him. He'll speak to you, but you have to go to him. So everything's on the Patriots' terms, and they've been excellent at that. And it, it's really helped because, you know, we we want owners to be entertaining, even when that's not necessarily good for the team or the owner. We want everyone to be Jerry Jones. We want them to say something stupid or we want to believe they said something stupid. When this whole Brady stuff was going down, there was a lot of questions about whether Kraft truly supported him or whether he threw him under the bus because of the way that, they accepted a penalty right away or whether he made a backroom deal with Goodell that Goodell then went back on, but he wasn't going to come out and get himself and his team in further trouble by saying any of that. They would have had to go to him and he wasn't going to answer that question. He'd rather talk about the more fun aspects of the Patriots and the things people want to hear about as fans and why they're going to win so that he doesn't get compared to Jerry Jones, so that if people are going to root against the Patriots, fine, but they don't want to make him the story. And he's been very good at that. He's been out in front and a good face of the team while keeping everything still at arms and arms distance so they can't really get to him and make him anything he's not. You're listening to the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams. That was Tim Williams. We have Ira Kaufman and we have Joe Henderson. Guys, uh, we're coming close to the end here of uh, this edition. So how about some final thoughts? Joe, we'll go to you. Some final thoughts as we uh, 
get ready here to get one week closer to the opening of the NFL season. The final thoughts that I have would be this would be a really great year for the NFL to cut its preseason down to two games so we could get this party started. I am so over these all-important third exhibition games and things like that. The, the exhibition season is too long, and it is you're getting guys hurt you know, despite they try to hold players out. So uh, – I'm ready to get it going. It's it's they practiced enough, you know. Let's get through these next two games, and and then we'll find out uh, some stuff that really matters. Tim, what's up from Boston? Well, it, despite being from Boston, people might be surprised to learn I'm actually a Buccaneers fan. So you're the one. <laughs> I have. Some words of wisdom and some words of caution. I know Roberto Aguayo has been terrible in the preseason. But the first thing you need to know is that nobody has ever or will ever throw a parade based on what you do playing football in August. The only thing that can come out of the preseason is bad news. Injuries, guys taking a step back, turmoil. It's all bad news. So... Just think of it as stuff that you'd rather happen in August. But the word of caution is, if you watch the rest of the special teams, they're surrendering field position, and they have been for years. And when you need your defense to step up, giving the, giving the opponent a shorter field every time can't possibly help. It's not just the kicker. The special teams need to get better for that team to take the next step forward. So that's something to pay attention to. But wait until September to really pay attention to anything. Mr. Kaufman. All right. One quick thing on on Tim's remarks about special teams, Jim. Uh, and, and, And I'm sure all of us agree on this. Every time there's a punt return and the guy is on the ground, what do we do? We look for the flag. And why do we look for the flag? Because more times than not, illegal block in the back. Can't these special teams coaches, Jim, teach these guys, don't block them in the back. Now, my other overarching point, uh, guys, is the insatiable, insatiable demand for National Football League play by fans, uh, starting uh, as soon as the hockey and basketball playoffs uh, end, and Goodell gets ripped, Jim, by the pundits. He gets booed every time he goes out in public, yet his $13 billion industry is going to be a $20 billion industry by the end of this decade. You know it, and I know it, Jim. Uh, It never ends. TV ratings go up. Uh, you wait for the bubble to burst, Jim. I don't see any signs that it's happening. Ira, I don't think it, it is either. I think that, you know, people enjoy it. It's the joy of the National Football League, and now it is a year-round business. It's a business that uh, doesn't seem to have a, a, you know, at this point doesn't seem to have a ceiling. And, um You know, the only thing that they're not doing, which I think is something that uh, is not necessarily a cautionary tale that they should be concerned about, is their expansion into uh, Europe and other possibilities. It it just doesn't seem like it's any traction, but going to those games in in London have become more of like the NFL version of a bowl game than than it is an expansion into the, uh, the European aspect. But it is a healthy business, and, and you're right about uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell. What Roger Goodell has done has put himself in a position where uh, he is the face of the league. He's the man who protects the shield, and I think that if it was not, if he wasn't doing what they wanted him to do, the owners would be all over him. But I don't see that. I don't see the owners attacking 
or not backing Goodell. As a matter of fact, if anything, they they like the fact that he's willing to take, you know, the hits for them when uh, when it would be easy to uh, to not go there. And and Roger has been very good at taking punches for the um, for the owners uh, in protecting the shield. So uh, we will go and uh, do one last round, and that's the round of social media since we talked about Twitter. Um, while we may not be watching football on it, we certainly will be talking about it on it. So, guys, give us your, your Twitter handles and anywhere else social media-wise that people can find you. Can find uh, go ahead, Joe. You can go first. Or Ira, you want to go first? Go. Uh, no, go ahead, Joe. Go first. <laughs> okay, you can find me on Twitter at the initial J. Henderson, Tampa. And okay, Tim. Me, um, or Ira? Sorry. Ira, go ahead. Ira. Uh, Ira. You can find me on Twitter at, uh, at iCouthman76. Uh, okay, Tim. And you can find me on Twitter at, at TimWritesSports. Okay. Well, gentlemen, it sounded great. Another fun time here. And, uh, we encourage the, you to uh, send us some uh, tweets out there and ask some questions. And maybe next time uh, around, we'll, we'll sit down and maybe take five or 10 minutes and answer some questions that some people have uh, hit us up on Twitter for. I'm Jim Williams. I hope that you've enjoyed being with us today with Ira Kaufman, with Joe Henderson, and with Tim Williams. We um, enjoy being with you on the Sunshine Boys podcast, and we hope that you read our work at sportstalkflorida.com, and have a wonderful, wonderful day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.